When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Janelle and Associates Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas, is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all active or retired military. If you are diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss after using yellow and black or yellow and olive dual-ended earplugs, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. These earplugs permitted damaging sounds to enter the ear canal. If you served in the military and were later diagnosed with hearing loss or tinnitus, call 800-871-7344 right now to see if you qualify for significant cash compensation. The manufacturer knew of the defect but did not warn its customers. Complaints alleged that the manufacturer manipulated test results to make it appear that the plugs met government standards. If you deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan anytime from 2003 through 2015 and are now suffering from diagnosed hearing loss or tinnitus, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344 right now. Hurry, time is limited. Call 800-871-7344 now to see if you qualify for cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344. That's 800-871-7344. 800-871-7344. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Gate. Um, we've actually got three of our four hosts here this week, which is 
Like for a lot of shows, that'd be bad. But for us recently, it's a record. So we have Michael and Milo here. Of course, I'm John. Um, There's still no case. Case is a busy boy, I guess. Um, I I mean, he's a busy young man at the end of his high school career. So, I mean, yeah. I don't understand. That was like the, the year I didn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> like, the last year of high school was so was nothing. Like, what is he doing? I, I mean, AP. I mean, this is when we would take, like, our advanced placement tests. I mean, I got into college October of my senior year, so I coasted until AP tests. That's so, what I did too. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Anyway, so, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, Kate, we hope you're, hope you're having a good day. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Have, ha, hope you're having a good day out there, Kate, wherever you are. We, it, it'll be like an anime where we think of Case and we look in the sky and like his picture will appear in the sky <laughs> because we're just thinking about him, yeah, like yeah. our lost comrade. Yeah, you know, whatever that star or sun you're looking at. He could be looking at it, too. <laughs> you know what they say. Love isn't looking at each other. It's looking in the same direction together. They they say that? I've never heard that yes, before. Yes, John, they say I've that. I've never heard that before in my entire life, but that's cool. I, I like um, that. It's quite poetic. Yeah, it is poetic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what's everybody been up to? We haven't. I haven't talked to you guys in, like, what? It's been, like, five weeks since our last episode, right? Something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. the last one was with Chris of a Music of the Met, so it's yeah. been a while. Milo, so I haven't talked to you in like two months. Jeez. Did you miss me? We did. Of course we missed course you, Milo. We did, yeah. why, would you, why would you even ask that? <laughs> but this is. Well, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say life is um, life is terrible. So I guess life just keeps going on. Um, People who follow me on Twitter probably already know that I was fired from my most recent job for asking my manager to stop misgendering me on purpose. Because um, he decided that he was going to misgender me whenever I messed th- something up, just like as a form of punishment. Which is super and, fucked up. Uh, which is super fucked up. And then he did it one day, and I kind of firmly asked him not to do it again, and he thought I was disrespecting him, and he fired me. Mm. So, yeah. But then again, that's the same manager that once asked me what my genitals were, so am I really surprised? That's pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Really gross. Didn't you get... Com- isn't it basically confirmed you're moving to Japan, though? That's good. Well... Um... Somewhat, somehow, I'm talking with this family right now that is just, like, beating around the bush and will not give me a straight answer, so I don't know. But I'm going, come hell or high water. Like, nothing can stop me at this point. Um, I will move into this these people's, like, garage or something. They won't even know I'm there. <laughs> just haunt their garage. Just, like... <laughs> it's like, oh, oh is No, I'm that, kidding. Is that a badger? Oh, no, that's Milo. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm obviously kidding. I would never do that. But I've been talking to like several families, so at least one of them is bound to tell me like, "Hey, yeah, you can come live with us" and stuff like that. So that is a that is pretty good. But yeah, so I'm probably about to be involved in my first legal battle. But hell yeah, legal. Hell battle. yeah for hell yeah for discrimination. Woo! 
<laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know what everybody else has been up to. I've done two other podcasts since our last Open the Voice Gate. This is like me returning home. I went on excursion. Aww. I went to I went to uh, first I did Burning Spirits on the Champion Carnival, and then I did Music of the Mat on the Dragon Gate entrance themes. Did you guys listen to my Dragon Gate entrance theme episode at least? I, mean, I listened to the Burning Spirits one, but I didn't have time to listen to Music of the Mat. Sorry. Oh wow, that's that's oh, the reverse so of it. That was it was so good, John. And of course, you're, you're leaving out the. Uh, the lead here about I also oh. made an appearance <laughs> on, open, uh, on Music of the Mat because someone had, to, someone had to bring some decorum and bring some respect back to we are dump, drunk there we are deep drunkers you can do it <laughs> Mike we Mike did a run in yeah that's right <laughs> which yeah. I did not hear that until I listened to the episode they they didn't play it for me when we were recording so yeah I was... did a fireside chat from the Spears compound so. <laughs> but yeah, Milo, you you listened to the one I didn't think you were going to listen to, so that was interesting. But Why? I don't know. I just thought you would be more likely to listen to the Dragon Gate one, but no, I was jealous. I didn't listen because I was jealous that I didn't get invited. Oh, well, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm, only I'm, I'm only half joking. I'm sure they'll invite you at some point. You know what? We should just stage an invasion of Music than that. You hear that, yes. person Andrew? We're taking over. <laughs> We'll be the NWO to their WCW. Mm-hmm. Did you guys come here? It's survey time. Did you come here to listen to music of the mat? Boo. Or did you come here to listen to the O-T-V-G? Wow. Yay. One more for the bad guy. <laughs> How about Marty Scroll joining like the bootleg NWO? I'm I'm I don't feel that. Why at all. The, no, I'm gonna have to put the brakes here. We can talk about everything that we want on this <laughs> podcast, but the Bullet Club, no. <laughs> uh, all I'll say about this, and I'm with Milo, is Trent put up the best tweet about. Yes, that, I saw that. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, look. I, all I'm gonna say is I was in the crowd for that angle, and if you basically, it's like a. a 800 fucking Bullet Club fans standing in their shirt screaming and me looking like, okay, what's going on? I don't really care. When's this going to be over? <laughs> that's basically how it went. Dude, that's, but, honestly, that's how I felt like when I went to the ROH tapings in Atlanta. I looked at this crowd and it was all Bullet Club fans. I was like, this this isn't for me anymore, is it? No, no. Like, Jesus Christ, the crowd there. There was this guy, this, this, this bro... And sunglasses that if you follow my Twitter feed, you know how angry I was. He he basically hated anything good. He hated cheeseburger, which I didn't even think was possible. He hated Dalton. Yes, he hated cheeseburger. He hated Dalton Castle. He what? hated he hated Tetsuya Naito. What? He, he, he screamed fuck Naito. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get arrested for murder. And then he 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 told Tanahashi to go back to Japan. What? But he also hated Tanahashi's opponent, Adam Cole, because he yelled Adam Cole to suck his dick. Okay, During that's fair. Match. And then, and so yeah, he hated everybody. And the, the only person he chanted for the entire night was John Cena. So jo- what? I don't know what he was doing. He was one of these Ring of Honor like tryhard dorks, basically. And he he should stop going to shows because he just makes everything worse for everybody else around him. Mm. Oy. 
I finally like flipped the shit when he when he screamed to go back to Japan at Tanahashi. I was like, I screamed at him. I don't know if he heard me or not, but I was basically like, why the, why don't you fucking go home, asshole? But yeah, um, that was that was Ring of Honor, everybody. It was a, there was a really really great uh, J White yeah. J World Osprey match. I was happy I was there for, but like, I hate being in Ring of Honor crowds possibly more than I hate anything else in wrestling. So. I don't know. I'm very happy. I'm probably done with them for the rest of the year. <laughs> Honestly, I think the only the only thing about that Reign of Honor show that I know is that Skrull joined the Bullet Club. Like, I haven't been interested in in Reign of Honor for so long now. Well, you're not wrong. Yeah. And, but I do have to say that I can't remember, and I wish I could find that tweet again. I know I retweeted it, but I have no idea who it was from. Was the the one thing that really made me laugh was when someone tweeted, uh, "You either." Die a hero oh, yeah. or live long enough to see yourself become a member of the Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, that's my basic review of the Ring of Honor pay-per-view from last night, I guess. It was... Or from Friday night, I should say. It was. I'm glad I went for one really good match. Um, I'm so over the Young Bucks. Like, you have Tetsuya Naito, one of the best wrestlers on the entire planet, and you wrestle Young Bucks match number 57212. Like, it, that was just, ugh. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm a bitter dork, apparently, because I can't deal with these shows anymore. I can't wait to be back in Japanese crowds where people aren't trying to yell stupid shit all night to get themselves over. Yeah. You, know what they yell in Jap- you know what they yell in Japanese crowds? The wrestlers' names. That's pretty much it. It's just so much easier to watch a, to watch a show in Japan than it is here. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That was my rant. So, um, so Dragon Gates had a pretty eventful early May, guys. Yeah. Finally. Yeah, things have finally started heating up after the really oh. kind of cold... Uh, Mike. Yes. Talking about heating up. Did you know that your boy Kenichiro Arai is one half of the first ever Heat Up Universal Tag Team Champions? Love that boy. Love that yes. boy. Yes. Right, who, who, who's his partner? Give it up for Araken. Hmm? Who's his partner? Uh, Hide Kubota, one half of the Kubota brothers. I don't know who that is. Isn't he a former hey. Osaka guy? Probably. I'm pretty sure they were... Uh, I mean, I know they were Dove Pro, and I'm fairly certain that they were among the indie guys that Noah brought in recently. Ah, uh, yeah. So probably based far enough back, you'll probably find him either at, like, Osaka Pro or Mitsunoku Pro. Mm-hmm. Or one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. So, I, yeah. Dragon Gate. I'm glad to hear that Kenichiro Rai is alive and not in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> so, no, wait. So that's on, that's heat up, right? Yeah. Yes. That, that's where he's pretty much based out of nowadays. I could go see him, I guess. Because yeah. they're doing a show. They're doing a show at New Mom in Japan. At Korok. I think I, I think that's their Korokin show. Yeah, Phil is uh, very excited. Yeah, John, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go. John, can you do a huge favor for me well, if you go to that show? Yeah. Just walk over there, give him a high five for me, and say, Ariwa was the best tag team in Dragon Gate history. Just say that. <laughs> but but that's not what I believe. It's from me. It's from okay. me. Okay. Because, I mean, uh, anyone who knows me should know who the best track, should be able to guess who I think the best tag team in Dragon Gate history is. The, Meta- the what, Metabolic what, Brothers? Punch and Gamma? No, you guys are both way off. Oh, I'm sorry. Florida <laughs> Brothers. Florida Brothers. My yes. no. Florida Brothers. No, that's not it either. Maraha Isapa? 
Um, no, although you're getting that's they're up there, but it's Dory Yoshi, you idiots. Arawa. No, Dor- it's Dory Yoshi one, Ryosuka two. So. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay, right. talking about Dory Yoshi, I have things to say, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's get to right, Dead or so, Alive. Dead or Alive. It opened with a dark match: Jimmy Kanda and Sachioko Boy defeating Shun Skywalker and Hiyo Watanabe. Uh, nice to see those two boys reemerging here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanda pinned Hiyo in about six minutes with the Ryus. Do you have any thoughts on this, Mike, since your boy was back? Your my, boy was back in town. Yes. My small leopard son, the prodigal son, yes. the big cat is back, and I can't be happier. Uh, did you all notice how he took the Ryu's? He took it, like, straight on his head. Like, <laughs> like he bumps like an idiot. Um, he's fearless. Oh, 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 yeah, he's fearless. He doesn't like anyone. He, I, he flips off people. I, I'm so proud you know of my what? son. I was thinking this earlier, is that Hiyo Watanabe is basically what would happen if L. Lindemann was a mad scientist, right? And tried to create a hybrid of Shima and Masato Yoshino and actually dropped some of his own DNA in it. <laughs> what the fuck? You know what? I see that. I mean, like, I, I don't know how he gets, like, his handspring of aid out of all that, but it's... I, 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 he has like Shima's, like Crazy Max Shima's prickishness, the speed of Yoshino, and then he has a little bit of like the tiny tank that Linda has. I think that's mm-hmm. a good way of putting it. But yeah, I, 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 I thought it was a good enough opener. Like, I was afraid that, like, when I saw that Kondo was left off the card when they finally posted the full card, like 48 hours before the show. Thanks, guys. But uh, I, I was kind of concerned that he was going to get left off. And it was nice that he got a little highlight match that Shun's back from injury. And Shachi, Shachi, you know? Like, he's doing him. Like, I mean, there's, I don't know what else to say really about that opener. I mean, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot to say. The most notable thing was that Hiyo Watanabe was finally back on the cards. Yeah. Well, and, and Shun Skywalker, he hasn't been around either. Yeah, that is that's true. That's true. So I was, I was happy. To, Shun had like a, a different looking outfit. Yeah, he, before he got Again? injured, before he got injured, he like started wearing like this green and like silverly white, and it looks a lot better than his first gear. Like everything kind of yeah. matches. I mean, okay, you're right. I forgot. I forgot he wore this right before he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, so it, it does look a lot better than his first outfit. I agree. Yeah. Yes. It still All looks right. weird, though. I really don't like it. He's just too lanky. Take the top off! He's too lanky. And that top, like, wearing that dry fit top, like, makes him look even more like yeah. a beanpole. Yeah. Milo out here oh. yelling for people to be topless. I, I, I just, I wish he would at least take the sleeves off. Yeah, c- kind of wear it, like, because he kind of looks like a member of the colony. Like, if he took the sleeves yeah, he off. Yeah, do- he really does, yes! actually. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I never thought of that till you said it, but he looks like he's Shun Ant. Yeah, Shun <laughs> he's like Ant. Sparkly Ant. Ant. Yeah, Spark- we have a yeah, lot of yeah. names. We have a lot of colony names here for Shun Skywalker. For some- mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, all right. So it's it's pro- so funny that you bring up the colony because uh, I've recently been initiated into um, Chitara. I saw that. You probably are you watching like around the time I was actually going to all the shows. I'm watching like the BDK stuff. Yeah, that's when I was going like, to all that like 2010. I yes. think I think it but is. 
I went to all the Northeast shows during that period. Yeah. So. And like, I'm I, the only thing that I have to say is that if I had been watching Chitara at the time, like in real time, and had been on Twitter, I would probably have been the most annoying co- colony stan, <laughs> like the most annoying one. Wait, Milo standing hard for baby faces. Hmm. I don't know what you mean. I love I love the colony. I love Dasher Hatfield. I'm well, guessing you're those not. Those are like B- my you're boys. Not, you're not a big BDK fan, I'm guessing. Well, I am a fan of the ladies. Okay. I loved the BDK at the time. That's the only reason why I went, basically. But I was the annoying BDK fan. <laughs> but I, I stopped. All, I've always been an Ultramanus fan myself. So Ultramanus is awesome, too. Yeah. Ultramanus is amazing. And I have yeah. a weird thing that I really enjoy his voice when he's on commentary. Well, I think a lot of people do, actually. Like, Good evening. I, I have a lot of I have a lot of like a fixation with his voice. I think he just has a really nice like speaking voice, like very yeah. pleasant to listen to. I think he, there's. Okay, I don't know if I should even mention this on the air, but there's there's a rumor always that's always gone around him that he's like a college professor or something in real life, which uh, I would. He totally, definitely has would, the voice of one. I would totally buy it, actually. Mm-hmm. I I actually know his story, but let's talk about it after we're done recording. All right, great. That's yes, great. okay. Okay. All right, so oh, the real opener. Um, KZ, Yosuke Santa Maria, and Flamita of Tribe Vanguard defeating Gamma, Eta, and Drotsik Boy in eight minutes. Flamita pinning his Mexican cohort with the Flam Fly. Um, this was a pretty good opener, actually. This is a really nothing to complain about. It was fast. Um, you know, it was. I remember liking it more than a lot of openers of late. So, yeah. yeah. It was Look. good. It was Flamita and Jurassic Boy's last match of this tour, and Jurassic Boy, from where he was last year to who, where he is now, I'm really impressed with him. I'm hoping that when contracts get renewed in late July that they try to bring him back more, because he's really kind of grown into being a, a good wrestler. I, I've really enjoyed it, and it was just fun. You know, it was a solid, fast opener. You know, I mean, nothing, not, not a whole lot of, like, storyline stuff going into that, and... I mean, really, the highlights were the were the two DTU guys. So the real storyline going into that was, when are they going to make Casey and Maria an official couple? I don't know, Maria. I Maria, I remember was the first person in history to to like happily receive the Gamma Waterfall, which was really hilarious. Oh yeah, I told like, y'all she, she's into some kinky shit. She like she like was down there and she Gamma's getting ready to do it, and she like had her mouth open like. I'm ready! And <laughs> you just look really <laughs> out by it. But, um... Well, the two of them have history, though. Like, I forget if it was, like, 2013 yes. or 2012, but it was back still in the, uh, early Millennials days, like, where, like, she had her eyes on Gamma, and Gamma, like, once came out, like, in a total fishnet stocking bodysuit. Yes! So, so, so maybe that, maybe those two, uh, you know, might be doing some stuff on the side. Who you know... Knows? I really don't know what is worse, Gamma in the full-body fishnet or Gamma in the tiny, 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 tiny blue trunks covered in baby oil and wearing your hard hat. While the crowd, while the announcers were just shouting out, it die, it die, it die. <laughs> we, we're also burying a, a very important lead here. The, 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 uh, the little kid thing, you know, the, dong, the gong kid thing. They brought out oh, a she small was girl. Cute. She brought out a small girl who answered Doi-chan. She was you. Wrestler. That yeah, was you, John. She was me. It's true. She's like, who's your favorite wrestler, Dory Chan? Not as good as the Korokin, where the where the 
the kid just kept saying the Jimmys, but <laughs> yes, we'll that get was to me. that, I guess. That was that was you, yeah. So I was the girl who <laughs> loved Doi. You were the boy who loved all the Jimmys. Yes. But um but that yeah, that one anyway, um so that was the opener. Very good opener, I would say. For an eight minute match, about as good as you can get. Yes. Uh, match two was Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji against Brother Yashi and Punch Tomonaga. This went like 11 minutes, believe it or not. Um, Don Fuji got the pin on Punch Tomonaga with the super choke slam off the top. Everybody, Don Fuji is not a Punch Tomonaga fan. No, he's I think it's not. Safe to say or a Brother Yashi fan. Or, well, especially Punch Tomonaga. Mm-hmm. I mean, he fucking like was destroying this poor kid. Poor, like, I, I, he I threw hate Yashi down the stairs. Oh, yeah, he did that, too. But like, I, I hey, hate... Hey, he, he is a nice guy. He brought uh, Konda, who was on commentary, a beer. Like, he was being a bro. He just does not care for that berserk shit. <laughs> but, yeah, but he, like, really was stiffing the shit out of Punch in this match. And then like, he beat him up afterwards. Yeah. This wasn't a match so much as it was, like, a massacre, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a lot else to say about it. It was very, very one-sided. Yeah, 11 minutes. About four of that was Don Fuji trying to find inventive ways of killing Brother Yashi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So match three. um, This was, in my opinion, the match of the night. The Open the Brave Gate title match. Jimmy Kagatora beat Takahiro Yamamura in 1342 with the Kurumakakali. Kurumakakali, I should say. Um... It was a very... I, I had this a four and a quarter. It was a very, very, very good match. Um, mm-hmm. Really good. Uh, yeah. Anyone thoughts on it? Oh, yeah, Milo, go ahead. I was going to tell you, go go ahead. Okay, well, uh, I, <laughs> I I was a little lower. I only went four on it, but I, it was my second best match of the night. Uh, I really enjoyed that usually Dragon Gate gets a stigma of, like, working a body part and then completely forgetting about it, but Kagatora working uh, Yamamura's leg and having that play into the finish of, oh, oh, uh, Yamamura went for the Sky Twister, but but could not get the pin because his knee was still messed up because he went down hard on it, and I thought that was really great. Uh, I also thought this match was kind of proof that Yamamura is not a one-building guy, because, I mean, mm-hmm. he's been getting great reactions in Cork, and, like, we all know that. But he's really shown that he's able to do stuff elsewhere. And I, I really enjoyed it for, like, after, like, Ada's title reign, which was, some of the matches were kind of disappointing and not living up to expectations. Uh, this was a great title defense. This was a great match. And I just, the, my only one thing that I wonder about this is with, now that we're in King of Gate now, who the next defense going to be for Kagatora? Because he started off his reign on a hot start, and I definitely want to see it to continue. By the way, got anything to say about this? No, I, I think Mike kind of said everything that I wanted to say. I really wanted to touch on how hard Hiro landed on his knee. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that was intentional. Um. But yeah, no, I I really really love that match, and I just like, just like you, I think it's amazing that Yamamura has gone from basically a nothing prelim guy to this in a matter of months, and yeah. like he really, he's really like making something out of himself, and I really want to talk about that when we go on to the Shima match um, at Kodakuen. I think it's 
amazing the progress that he's made uh, in like, I don't know, I want to say like four months. When was the big R match again? February. Yeah, that was about, that was February, yeah. Yeah, so. February, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, even less than that. Um, so, yeah. Just really, really proud of, of Yamamura and really happy that Kairatora seems to be like heading for a long, not a long reign, but at least not a zero defense reign. That's, yeah. that's probably all that we can hope for. I would expect him to hold it at least to a world, but I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Hopefully, hopefully he gets at least one more successful defense in the, in the meantime. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking mm-hmm. of title matches. Like, I I could probably see it maybe until Dangerous Gate, maybe, Scandalgate era time. So, like, I think he might get, mm-hmm. like, a good three or four months. Maybe this will be the summer of Kagatora. Yeah, Kagatora. All right, so then we have match four, which was the Jimmy's versus Maximum big confrontation. So you had Genki Horiguchi, Jimmy Susumu, Ryuji Misaito, and Jimmy Kaness against... Yoshino, Big Arshimizu, Kotoka, and Ben K. Um, a little surprised that Jimmy's won this match, but they, they kind of do this a lot where a new unit loses at first, I guess, to show that they're not used to working together. But Saito pinned Kotoka in 1347 with the double cross. Um, this, I really like this match a lot. This was like Mm-mm. classic Mm-mm. Dragon classic Dragon Gate, you know, with like the really fast eight-man. It was clear they were protecting Oshino a lot, which is understandable. He's going to ease his way back in, which is probably for the best. He didn't do a lot here. But I still thought this match was really good. Um, I liked I liked the black and silver for the for Maximum. I liked the theme song a lot. That's It's a good start to that, to that unit after... You know, I, I really I really hate Tribe Vanguard's theme song. So <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy the next Fae Face unit has a much better theme song. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't, can't really complain about anything here. It was a really good match. There's a cool feud to start with, the oldest unit against the newest unit, and um, yeah, it was good. I really wish there was an explanation for why the Jimmies are acting like dickheads, though. Well, they they, they, they do this from time to time, though. Like, they're, mm-hmm. I'm, they're, okay, they're not heels, but they have been assholes before. That, like, that are, is true. These are all guys, these are all guys, first of all, who have been heels in the past. Mm-hmm. And these are all guys that can have that edge. And these are, I mean, they, they've been fused before where they act like dicks. But they have no previous reason to be mad at these guys. I, I guess. Like, what yeah. is the beef? What is the beef? It, what? Like, it looked like that, well, if you look at the post-match, like, Saito was basically, their, their whole point seems to be, you know, Dory Yoshino, you're good, we like you, but why did you pick these greenhorns, Kotoka and Ben K, as your, or a weakling like Kotoka and a greenhorn like Ben K? basically so like they're basically like they they almost think like Dory and Yoshino are good but their teammates are holding them back and they've picked weak teammates so that's what they see they almost seem offended on their behalf and so it's an interesting <laughs> angle I, I I like it it's an interesting angle it, and really for like a new unit like I think it's a good angle to like kind of that I think the end of this angle is going to be that Katoka is going to be the one that like gets the fall and I guess in the blow off match between the two so kind of like showing them like to me, this feels kind of obvious that this is the uh, we're starting a new unit and we're not all meshed together. We're we're still getting used uh, with wrestling with each other, especially with Katoka and Yoshino coming back. So that they they, they kind of have to figure each other out, and then at, on, at like the biggest moment, the guy they keep on calling the weakling is the one that ends up with a pen. It's kind of like what happened with Shachi with Monster Express. So I I I like this too. Uh, it was really clear how they're protecting Yoshino, guys. Like, and it's understandable. Yeah. 
but like he he in the ring, his speed's not gone, which is something that you could be worried about with like a back injury like that. But between this and Corkin, he did not take many bumps at all. Like no, which is good. Oh, yeah, which is totally good. It just was noticeable. I mean, and... they still did. They still did those cool ten uh, stereo dives with Kotoka, but yeah, like Yoshino, like everyone made sure that Yoshino landed very safely. Yes, it's it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. If you're gonna, you're gonna like you know, gently, like, bring him back instead of rushing him back into, right into big matches where he has to take a lot of bumps. I think that's probably for the best. I mean, you know, yeah. hope, hopefully, like, by the end of the year, he's ready to be back in, like, more of a main event position. But in the meantime, you can come out there and do, run real fast and, you know, hopefully just I mean, get back into the swing of things. Yoshino can basically do what he did in this match and the Kodakuen match and still be over as fuck, so why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's not like people are going to start turning on him for, like, not putting in the effort or whatever because they know about the circumstances, and also he's Masato Yoshino. Yeah, people yeah. are just so happy to have him back that I think mm-hmm. he can coast off that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so up next, the open the Twin Gate title match. <sighs> Shima and Dragon King. I didn't retained, watch this. Retained yet again. Dragon Kid mm. pinned Linda Man in twenty one thirty six with the Bible. Um, okay, so Milo didn't watch okay. this. I I did this not match... watch this, but you know me, I still have an opinion. Okay. So maybe yeah. you guys want to talk about the match and then yeah, the match itself. I I didn't like it that much. Um, it it started off very slowly. I would say by I guess like the twelve or thirteen minute mark, it started to pick up. It had a I had a good closing stretch, so I guess by the end it was okay. But I am very over this title right. This is their fifth defense. Yeah. Like come mm. like come on. How oh, it long feels is, good to be right. How long does this title reign have to go on for already? Jesus. Yeah, and like, I really I really thought T Hawk and Linderman were winning this. So. Yeah, no, this was like in the third defense in a row, this was like the perfect time for a CK one to drop it. Uh yeah, super slow match. Uh <sighs> I did. The thing that made me really think they were going to drop it is now T Hawk and Lindemann have like matching gear. So, like, it's kind of like T Hawk's pants, but has like Linda's rope going down it, which I thought was pretty fresh. Uh, T Hawk and Linda mesh well. I did. I, I do really like how Linda's grown into being just like a punk dickhead. Like, that's the best way to describe his character is he's a punk dickhead. Uh, I was just kind of mad about this. Like, the result, the. Uh, the Bible Meteora combo was pretty brutal as a finish, which was kind of neat. Uh, there, there was some Berserk bullshit on this. I, I now keep track of Berserk bullshit per match, and that one had two instances of Berserk bullshit. Uh, but yeah, it's just I totally get why with Dragon Gate how you have heirs of fans, <coughs> native fans. You have the ones that came in during Tormon Japan, more that came in during T2P, ones that came in during the Changeover, and then the more recent fans. And then for, like, the oldest fans, they like having, like, someone to cheer for, like, a team to cheer for that, like, someone has a belt to cheer for. So it makes sense why initially CK1 got the belts. But since then, it's just, there there was a young team after young team after young team that could have really used having the belts. Linda Men and T-Hawk, probably most, more so than the KZ teams, could have used the belts. Linda Men has yet to win a title in his career, this would have been the right moment for him getting wins over first class people 
like people from the from the Toribon gym first class. That would have been a big moment for him, and they decided not to, and it was disappointing. Like that's uh, at this point, I really don't even know who the who are we waiting for this now. Like yeah. who the hell is going to beat these people? I don't know. I'm I'm really frustrated. I'm I'm actually tired of talking about this. So Milo, do you wanna do you wanna bury this? It would be my honor and pleasure. Um, I'm just like I I'm the I feel like I'm the only person who has had a consistent opinion of this reign ever since it started, which is I don't fucking like it. And over the months and over the defenses and who they beat, it's becoming so obvious to me that this is not about pleasing the older fans. It's not about pleasing the fans at all. It's Shima on a fucking ego trip. You see, I wouldn't go that far. Like having like it, it for the like that's why the Jimmies have existed for so long is because there is a generation of fans that identify with them. There's a generation of fans like yeah, Shima has pull, but I wouldn't say that he's the sole factor. Of why oh, yeah. they sell the belt. Well, they won. They went. Their their reign is now longer than Yokosuka Ichome. They now have more defenses. Um. So you know his ego should be satisfied. Um. At this point, I'm so tired. Like I'm sorry, and this is not like a personal attack on you, Mike, or on John. I'm just so tired of people making excuses for Shima. Um, just because he's motherfucking, like, I know who he is. I know what he's done for the company. I know that the fans freaking love him. But there is a point where you have to know when to bow out. And there's a point where you have to know that the the things must progress and the company must look forward into the future. We're having this dilemma that I want to talk about when we get to the cage match where we keep on relying on the same people and the same people all over and over and over again. And I'm also going to talk about this for King of Gate. I have a lot of things to say, okay? I haven't been here in two months. Um, at this point, I'm kind of like in full conspiracy theory mode, maybe, but I really feel like it's not about giving the fans like a feel-good moment or had, you know, had, had, by beating Berserk or whatever, whatever, whatever. It's really just Shima being like, I'm Shima, I do whatever the fuck I want. Which, at, like, who is going to beat them? If you can't have Casey, who is arguably the most popular, one of the most popular guy in the company right now after Doi, not going to beat them. You don't have a team of young guys, especially one who could have benefited from his first title, not beating them either. Uh, I don't even remember who their first defense was against. Um... Oh, Shino and Seahawk. Yeah, fuck that. Um, at this point, there is nothing that can justify the CK1 reign going on as long as it did because the matches are not even delivering. Oh, yeah, I'm agreeing. If with the it. matches... Sorry. I was going to say, I'm agreeing with it. Like, to me, like, these matches... Like, I had this match at a pretty generous three and a quarter. Like, pretty generous. And most of that was for the final stretch. Like, before the final stretch, like, I actually dozed off for, like, two minutes in the opening. Like, I watched it, I watched this as soon as I woke up on the 5th, and I was like, oh. And then I kind of just was, like, nodding my head to sleep. Like, the matches aren't at what they could, like, they... Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah, they aren't at the ability of both Dragon Kid and Shima, and it's not pulling the matches or, like, 
it's not doing service to their opponents. And mm-hmm. I, and I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you, Milo. Like, like the one thing that I when you brought up like all defenses, other than uh, other than North Tribe, they've not defended it against an established tag team. Like, yeah. They, it, it, it's no, it's no Moraha Safa. There's, it's no uh, Kanesuka. It's no Ryosuka. It's Oroska. Like it's teams that just like, kind of just like go out and challenge. Like, are they gonna just gonna have them lose it at Kobe World to Moraha Safa? Like, like is that like I'm starting to think that that's what the end game is. If yeah. Because like, that's the only way that it makes more sense. Is like, oh. And I try to rationalize a lot of things. Like I, yeah, I know. So, yeah. so, so like I'm, trying, <laughs> I, I'm partially trying to rationalize the rain, and like there's definitely a lot to get into about the cage match and how King of Gates panning out. So yeah, we're gonna do that. I just just want to finish. Um, so yeah, the matches are not even delivering. Is the is the problem here? And the thing is that okay, they're the best match of this rain was if you counted as a match in this rain was the match where they won the titles. Um, by a country mile, like or two. Um, yeah, I agree thing, with that. The thing is that Shima's status in the company, and to a lesser extent, Dragon Kid's status in the company, cannot justify everything. And I am talking directly to you, Andrew Andrew Two Sixteen, because I know that you're going to comment <laughs> on this. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. The status can exist for a certain thing because I. I... I think I would. I, I am someone that's more of okay. Give something to the old guys, but af- after a certain point, you have to recognize when a title reign is a dog title reign. Eight is it's kept... five defenses. The thing is that. Oh my god. Yeah. What? It's just uh, been five defenses already. Like yeah, come five on. defenses. The thing is, the thing is here. Here, li- the, here it is. Listen to me. The thing is that if people are going to criticize Yamato for having an admittedly very dull Dreamgate reign, I want them to be able to be objective and criticize CK1 for having the exact same Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Let's be, let's be clear, actually. Yamato's title reign, I'm not a huge fan of it either. It's still a lot better than this fucking Twingate reign. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. you, like, Yeah. Like, <laughs> I put Yamato's, Yamato's Dreamgate reign is like a four, and this Twingate reign is like a negative ten. Yeah, so there's a pretty big gap there. Yeah, like, like Yamato at least had the match against Doi. <laughs> like, Yamato had a really good match with Doi. This, this, the, the I, I liked his match with Kong quite a bit actually. Um, the, the, the cage match is really good as we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, I like the Hulk match. Yeah, the Hulk, match, the Hulk match is pretty good. You know, his reign's been fine. Like, yeah, the yeah. only match of his reign I really hated was the Tozawa match that I thought was, re- was really, like, Sorry. weirdly bad. Weird. Yeah, weirdly, weirdly bad. But the other four matches have been have been good to great. So there's really nothing wrong with this Yamato reign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and most of my complaints with <laughs> the Yamato reign is just how Yamato is a, as a wrestler in big matches. Like, like, that's, yeah. like, that's the big complaint. This tag reign is stale, and it's... It's not even held up by who he's defending, who they are. I will say, yes. with, with Yamato's reign, there's a lot of people that still haven't challenged yet. And there's a lot of challengers where I'm like, okay, who's going to be the one? to? Is, is Dory going to get another shot and beat him? Is Takagi going to get another shot and beat him? Is this Kong I'm asking? Is T-Hawk going to be the one? Like, there's a mil- is Ata going to be the one? There's a million Susumu. people. Yeah. Susumu. The Twin Gate is like, who's left? Who fucking cares? Just end it. So okay. I don't Yeah. Can't. Yeah, for, I I absolutely agree with that. And my I think my my bigger point was 
because that's been the justification that you guys have given me, that Case has given me, that Andrew has given me, and that I'm I'm fairly certain a lot of other people too, because I've talked to the to, about this to a lot of people, is that I recognize Shima's status within Dragon Gate and the Dragon System, but his status cannot excuse this title reign. At this point, you gotta stop making excuses, like. It, do- it doesn't freaking matter that he's one of the most important guys in the history of the company, that he's a pillar, you know, that the fans really, really love him. I mean, that matters, of course. But when you're that important of a guy and when you're teaming with Dragon Kid is also a very important person in the history of the Dragon system. First of all, you have no excuse for delivering such subpar matches with pretty much everyone, even super exciting guys like KZ. But also, you cannot rely on that status to be able to justify yet another defense and to be able to justify just, like, holding up those belts when we could be having so much more exciting matches and just a more exciting team as champions. The Like, at this point, I really, like, I'm on the same page with you people that I really don't know who's going to take the belts off of them. Because... We burned through Lindemann and Seahawk, which I felt were the team that probably needed it the most. Um, a Jimmy's team, let's be honest, I love, love, love the Jimmy's. But I want the Twin Gates to go to a younger, fresher team. Yeah. Um I feel like the Jimmies are really great when they're in the Triangle Gate mix. Uh, Kagatora, of course, is killing it right now, but... Uh, Kaya Tora is kind of the, the only one of the Jimmies that isn't. Um... Well, he's the youngest one. He's the youngest one. That's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to say. Me too, John. Career. Me too. Yeah, he's had the least success in his career. Yeah. So. But at this point, I don't know if I want to see another Jimmies team holding these titles when there are young when there are younger people and fresher people underneath waiting for it. Oh, totally. And uh, so I don't know who's it going to be, but my my thing is really asking people, stop justifying Shima's reign and stop justifying his, his and Dragon Kid's subpar defenses just because he has this status of like this icon of the promotion. Because if anyone, I don't know what it is about Dragon Gate fans and fans, about Dragon Gate fans and Shima, because I'm pretty sure that if any other top guy in a promotion was having such a subpar reign... People would be calling it out. Yeah, and I, don't I, I don't understand. I know that there's this sort of like cult sentiment around Shima, um, but like for example, I don't know uh, if people would would be justifying, for example, uh, I don't know, Harashima and Soma Takao having a bad DDT uh, KOD tag team title reign. I don't know if people would be justifying it as much as Dragon Gate fans are trying to justify Shima and Dragon Kid having this terrible reign just on the basis of status. Yeah, uh, I, and I'm someone that I know I'm guilty of Shima standing pretty hard. I mean, he's someone that I've been doing a long-term project for several years about his career, so I get kind of... I, I have... A, sometimes I try to over-rationalize it, and... The thing that I think it boils down to for a lot of people's uh, standing is there was a time period 
in 08 and 09 where they try to move on to who who all became the big five and the big six the big five were outright failed without without him and but that was nine years ago like mm-hmm. she shima turns 40 later this year or later next year like i he's born 78 so it, it's at a certain time that like he's already no longer the front line like dreamgate fighter that he was and it's okay that he gets title reigns like i thought originally when they took the titles that it was going to be like a pillow holder that I was like okay they get a title reign okay yay like and that's why i think if you look at my big show previews ever since they got the title reign every single time i picked against ck1 and every single time they've defended it so i think from now on i'm just gonna pick for ck1 and maybe through some like mumbo jumbo they'll end up losing it that way yeah. if i have to pull over it but there is no team like all the young like make start upstart teams have been defeated like mochi fuji have been getting a lot of wins but that's just moving them on to another old team uh yeah kaneska it looks like that they're now a thing for a little bit maybe they win it but really they don't need it you're absolutely right the jimmies have had the have been around the twin gate tower okay. picture mm-hmm. forever and it's just frustrating. And we've spent right. like 20 minutes. You guys? Yeah, I'm really tired of this topic. Yeah. Okay, just just to finish, the one thing that I'm terrified of and that would absolutely confirm my Shima Ido trip um, conspiracy theory is that when you look at the numbers, they're actually not that far off from beating Yamadoi's reign. They still need like four defenses, though. They need like, yeah, but if it keeps going like that, dude, time flies by. All right, so let's see. We'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on to the main event: the Open the Dream Gate, Dead or Alive, Mask versus Hair, five way steel cage match: Yamato, Doi, Hulk, Shingo, and Cybercon. Um, I have a lot of. I, I wrote a lot of my Twitter about this match, <laughs> so that, that's basically my notes. Um, Doi's pop is really, really loud. Yeah, like really loud. Like if they're not mm-hmm. listening to that by now, like I'm sorry, Nariki Doi is the most popular wrestler in this company. And I hope someone's listening because his pop was enormous here. The pop for Doyoshi at Korokin was enormous. Um, yeah, his pop was just enor- just gigantic here. Um, also, his maximum gear, I really, really like it. Yeah. As usual with Doi, Doi has fantastic gear. Boss mode Doi. Um, boss mode Doi. You know, I, I like Yamato's Tribe Vanguard gear now, too. I didn't like his old gear, but now that he's more of like a, a plain white with like... Um, it has that like image of him with his hair mm-hmm. on the back of the vest. Like I like that a lot more than his old tribe Vanguard gear. So that's an improvement on the as far as the aesthetics go. Um, but yeah, this the just, actual. Sorry, I was gonna say this was just a fun like every year you get us out of Dragon Gate, and I'll talk about a little bit later about when we get, kind of wrap up this match. But every year we get like. Dragon Gate's crazy overbooked match, and for what it was, it was fun, you know? Yeah, I, I would. I put this below last year's, but last year's was the best one ever, yeah. probably. Agreed. This one, this one was still really good. Like, I still enjoyed it a lot. So, really nothing to complain about. Um, I was amused by Pitcher Yoshino. Pitcher Yoshino returned. Oh, the Maximum Baseball team. Can I talk about the Maximum Baseball team <laughs> yeah, for sure. a second? Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. They're so cute! So... Longtime Dragon Gate fans know that uh, Masato Yoshino, high school baseball pitcher, huge baseball fan. Like, it's one of the things that, like, he lives in a part of Osaka that he can go see games whenever he wants. Like, if, like, 
I heard that during his rehab, he basically was just watching NPB and rehabbing. Like, that's all he did. Was, oh, is, uh, is, that, is, is that his team? No, NPB is... Uh, oh, the professional, like, yeah. yeah. I you went Nippon Ham Fighters for a second. Is it Nippon Ham Fighters his team, or is his team a different one? Anti-Tigers? I, I think he might be a Tigers fan. I know Tozawa was a huge Tigers fan. But uh, I, I would like to say that I think Maximum would be a great baseball team because you have Yoshino as a pitcher... You know he's eighty speed on the scouting scale. You have to you question a little bit about his makeup because his back, but you know probably throws a good a good splitter, a good curveball, a good knuckler, pretty good in that okay, role. Okay, but Mike. Yes. If Yoshino's the pitcher, does that make Doi the catcher? Oh shit! I just walked right into that, didn't I? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to say no. Shimizu had the catcher's gear on. Shimizu is the catcher, but. Uh, but I guess that they might be trading off. They might be swapping off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I, <laughs> this has completely gone differently than I expected, Milo. <laughs> I was about to like make. All a, right, I want to. I want to hear the maximum baseball. Let's go. Okay. Yes. Uh, my comp, I would put on Yoshino. I, th- I think he has a little bit of Pedro Martinez to him. You know, not a taller guy, but has a lot of control, a lot of out pitches. I think that uh, Big R Shimizu, he was wearing catcher gear. But probably in their private life, that's Doi's role. But uh, <laughs> Shimizu, uh, probably not a very good pop time. He's a beefy boy, but he reminds me a lot of Pudge Rodriguez, my favorite all-time baseball player. Uh, Big R, oh, not Big R, Binke, first baseman, has the body type of your power-slugging first baseman. I think anyone who's a baseball fan can recognize that. Uh, uh, Doi probably plays third. I see a bit of Adrian Beltre in him. You know, I, I mean, he he's liable to hit a home run on his. Excuse knee. me, Doy Doy is clearly Josh Donaldson. Thank you. I was, get, come on, give me Beltre. I, I see him as a <laughs> I Beltre. Have, I have uh, no idea who these people. Doy is Doy is a very Doy is very aggressive, just like Josh Donaldson. Doy can be Beltre. kind of a jerk. Beltre. Doy can be kind of a jerk, just like Josh Donaldson. Beltre. All right, whatever. He's both. Then. He's both. He's who both. are these people? These are major league baseball. Major league players. baseball players. Uh, and then Katoka. I'd say Katoka is either a center fielder or shortstop. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a shortstop. He, Katoka he's a shortstop. He's 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 a little shortstop. Who, he has he has like no hitting at all, but his defense is fantastic. Well, he, well you look at Ben K. He's still hitting that. I oh. <laughs> but seriously, right? Isn't that isn't that oh, right, yeah. Mike? Oh, absolutely. He, 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 he just cannot. He's batting like one ninety or something. All but, glove, all glove. But his defense is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's that's. Did we? Did, did you miss anybody? No, we didn't. Okay. That, that's the baseball team. Uh. But the uh, rest of the match, I love how Hulk with his rope is now an established trope. Like for the yeah. past three years, he's brought out a rope. Uh. Shingo needs to lay off his fucking frontier martial arts wrestling tapes because that barbed <laughs> bat had no chill. Like no chill. <laughs> I, I mean, my favorite, my favorite thing probably was Punch Tomonaga like fighting off Dory's attempts to get a flag with like a giant fan. Yeah, I'm like, why the fuck does Punch have a giant fan? What is going on? Why it's the fuck like, not? Smacking, is the real question. He's just like smacking him with it. Yeah. And then we had the the Jimmy showed up and they started attacking Shingo with a lot of water based weapons. They had, like the water guns, the water balloons. I feel like the theme of this show, intentionally or not, was water sports. <laughs> um. <laughs> Gamma, Gamma was there, and he was wearing a very tiny. He was wearing a tiny speedo and a helmet, For and he was covered out. in baby oil. He was covered in baby oil. Guys, he had a um, helmet on. He was being safe. He was being a safe pervert. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. I mean, 
Shima and Gamma are into some kinky shit, man. I, I mean, just look at Ga- just look at Gamma. Like, how can't he be? Punch Punch at one point was like climbing up there. I think it was him and Linda Man who were climbing up. Maybe it was something like, and they were climbing up with these these like red boxes. So Punch has one job to get up to the top of this fucking cage with box. And of course, he immediately dropped his box. And <laughs> have someone hand like that. That sums up Punch Tomonaga's career, basically. Yeah, he's just uh, trying to get to the top of the cage's box, and he immediately drops it. The cameraman missed Flamita's uh, moonsault to the outside. Oh my yeah, god, that, that, that was, was pretty. That was like WCW like. Yeah, and then uh, of course the Jimmys. Made... Before that, though, before yeah. that, when Shingo was the first one to grab his flag. I laughed so hard because the crowd was very unhappy about this. They were booing the shit out of him. And he just puts up one arm and goes, Yay! <laughs> it was like, Shingo Takai can be fucking funny sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, the other thing was uh, Maria climbed. Okay. The way she stopped Doi from getting his flag. She climbed to the top of the cage. Apl- stopped at the top to apply lipstick. <laughs> and then ki- and then kiss Doi to stop him. Like that was the greatest. That might have been the greatest stopping at the top of the cage spot of all time. I like how she just fucking like threw the lipstick to the ground too. It, like Casey will kill. Casey will pick that up for me. But she's just like, just watching her get to the top and then frantically like put this lipstick on. It was really funny. Um, but yeah. Hulk got sorry. Hulk and Hulk and Shingo being the first two out was very interesting. I guess they had to protect the unicorn and the mullet. Yeah. But, like, they were the first... I did not expect them to be the first two guys out. Not at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of expected Hulk to be out early. But just because I didn't... Hulk was, like, the one person. And like I was like, they're not putting the title on Hulk. Yeah, but, Hulk was not winning. Yeah. But so, we, we didn't we all think Shingo was going to win? No, like, you all did! Yeah, yeah, we all did. You all did! Yeah. I feel like you were... I, I would, feel like you no, were very... I would rather... Put my hand in a can. Milo, I, I of piranhas. I didn't what? say you wanted it, but I could have sworn you weren't. You like talking about how you thought Shingo might win and you were gonna stop watching. I mean, sometimes when people make bad decisions, I have to tell them. Okay. Yes, I I thought you know I never predicted Shingo winning because as you guys know, I would rather walk on hot coals. But honestly, with the way Dragon Gate had been going, I would not have been surprised. And yes, I would have stopped watching. Well, I'm glad we didn't come to that. Um, but yeah, so Shingo got knocked out. Um, the The next guy to go out was Doi, and it continued the Jimmy's feud because the Jimmy's were like trying to help him, but instead they were they were trying to fire like a bazooka. I think it was I think it was Ryu actually, and and it went straight like, into his face. Yeah, it went straight into his face. Ka moved out yeah. of the way. Doi got nailed. So Doi got pinned after that. I was pretty disappointed Doi didn't win this, but you know what are you going to do at this point? I think they they don't they apparently don't have ears and can't hear how over Doi is. What are you going to um, do? Um, well, I have I have something to say about that, but we'll keep it we'll keep it for later. Okay. Um, I mean, I was very happy that he didn't cut Doi's glorious hair off. So if he had to lose, it was good he went out early. Um, and at that point, I mean, I did you guys watch this spoiled or unspoiled? I watched this unspoiled. I watched it. Unspoiled. I, no, I watched it spoiled. Okay, so, so Michael, when Doi got knocked out, did you have that moment where you're like, "Oh my God, Cybercon's either winning the Dream Gate or he's losing his mask"? Oh, I, I knew immediately he was going to lose his mask. Okay, I did have that moment where I was like, 
is he really going to win the Dreamgate? Because I was just like, what? But no, that was then... never. I, that is that was never going to happen, and at this point, is never going to happen. Like when he lost the mask, I mean, I I, I don't know. I just something about it. Maybe because I've been a fan. Well, actually, Michael's been a fan about the entire CyberCon period. But I just that used to be impossible to even imagine. Yeah, Kong actually losing the mask. So I don't know. I had a brief moment where I'm like, is he just going to win the Dreamgate here? <laughs> but no, he instead. Um, Yamato got the belt, um, despite the fact that they kept trying to help Kong with like a, what like a ladder, rope, like a rope ladder, yeah, and um, a table, and a table, yeah, yeah. But, but thankfully, you know, the best boy was there to save the day. Uh, I'm obviously talking about Katoka. Thank you very much, <laughs> Maria. Maria kissing Linda Man the moment Tribe Vanguard got in the ring was a nice little callback too. I like can't that believe was... that it had to come to that for them to give us the the faded Linda and Maria kiss. Yeah, that was something. And, and uh, that was a devastating Nara Lucci right after, too. Like, she spiked him with it. Yes. It was that was a, beautiful. It was a spike. And then, obviously, Yamato got the belt. He retains. Yeah. Kong on mass as, um... What the hell? What the fuck is his name again? Takashi Yoshida. Yoshida. That yep. potato head looking motherfucker. He had to reveal he's 34 years old from Osaka Prefecture. He's still pretty young. Jesus. Like, yeah. I really thought. So that means when he started in Dragon Gate in 2006, he was like 23? 23. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like, that's. He started really young. But... Well, he's the same he's the... age range as the Big five, the big Six. So. Well, Yamato's old. Yeah, Yamato's an old bitch, but. And Hulk, Hulk is the oldest. Hulk yeah. is the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it kind of makes sense that that age though, because Kong did have that really short stint in New Japan's USA Dojo. So, wow. yeah, and yeah. then and then he was on the uh, arm wrestling tour for a little bit. So <laughs> that, that that's like now that now that Yoshida's unmasked, we could talk a little bit about his history. I guess like that's why before they found him in the United States as like the first like. That was back when, like, DGUSA was like, oh, yeah, the DGUSA office is where they send everyone for their excursions. So he was found then at FIP, of all places, and then was brought mm-hmm. in to, to DGNX, and then he became the Cyber Hulk, the Cyber Hulk, Cyber Kong that we all knew. Yeah. yeah. I do have to say um, that you guys know that I'm not the biggest Cyber Kong fan in the world. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite Cybercon. That, that was probably like one of the most I've ever enjoyed him. Is that weird? No, like that. Outside of the uh, New Hazard days, that was one of his best performances. I think. Like I, I thought he did really good. I was like, "You done did it, man!" But Finally. Like, but I feel like Kong always does well when it's not a one-on-one match. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, sure, sure. Like this was a this was a good performance. It'll be interesting to see how Yoshida's character kind of changes. Like they did the big debut in Corkin of him, where he just kind of looks like the exact same without his mask. So I want. So I guess they didn't have the gear made up or I, the character design done. I cannot like he looked so much like Mister Mister Potato Head. Like mm-hmm. I cannot get over. He looks it. like a giant baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. He looks. Like, that's true. Like even more so it's than like Nakanishi. Boss Baby, twenty seventeen. Boss Baby, Boss Baby, uh, uh, Takashi Yoshida. He's... Nah, Boss Baby is the president of France. Thank you very much. Okay. You guys don't think he looks like the Boss Baby? He de- he totally looks like the Boss Baby. 
Milo, he's only eight years older than I am. I don't need to feel depressed about what I've done in my life. Honestly, I wouldn't feel too depressed about not being the president of France. This country is a shithole. Isn't he married wow. to his old school teacher, too? Yes, he is. Well, That's creepy. Yeah. He knows where it's at. He knows where it's at. Honestly, <laughs> quite frankly, I don't think that I can blame him for marrying someone older than him. That's true. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right, so, it's a cage match. Let's wrap, let's wrap up this cage match. But, oh yeah, the one thing I wanted to say about the cage match, and I kind of talked a little bit about it on Twitter, but I think it's worth kind of getting into. We've now had about four straight years of the cage match. Each year has gotten more ridiculous, more ridiculous. Last year, I felt like, and I know John agrees with me, I don't know about Milo, I felt like last year's match was better than this one, but... I mm. think it might, and I, this probably is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I think it might be worth pitting the cage match on ice for a year. Like, there's no reason to in 2018 to immediately go back to it, just because this was, like, a little bit of a downgrade from last year, and that's understandable. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't want the, uh, the the cage match, the cage risk match to, like, lose its specialness. And, yeah, it, that's, yeah. Mm -mm. And I'm a little afraid that, like, after the peak they had in 2016... That it could have, that it could lose that. So I hope they kind of put it on ice in 2018. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like last year was a very special edition of the cage match, um, and it was really, really amazing. This one, not a scratch on last year's, but still a fun way to do a Dreamgate defense. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like unless they manage to build a feud or several feuds that are interesting enough to kind of merit going into the cage match, um, I don't think that it's necessary to do it every year. Because it is a novelty. It is uh, always a fun, wacky spectacle. But if you don't have a good reason to do it, you're not obligated to do it. And I, I don't want something this fun to start feeling like Another, like, um, forgetting my words, um, I don't want it to start feeling like just another stop on the tour, mm -hmm. you know? I don't, want it, I don't want them to be like, well, we've done Champion Gates, now we have to do the cage match. I, like, if we're going to have the, the wacky Dragon Gate cage, ma cage match, I want there to be, like, a good reason for it. And if they can't build to a good reason for it next year, then they just... Yeah, they don't have to do it. Yeah, just take the year off. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to just say again what I, uh, what I said, like, I think right after I finished watching the that cage match. And that may just be me because I have, like, a weird obsession with that unit. And you're, you're, you guys are going to be like, Milo, it's been two years, let it go. But... I, one day I really want a cage match with all of the ex millennials. Yeah, no, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty cool. And they're spaced out enough that like, like you have, like you have Katoka now in maximum. You have Ada who's still an over generation. You have mm -hmm. you have Linda and T Hawk and uh, and Berserk, and then you have uh, then you have Maria and Tri Vanguard. Like they're spaced out mm -hmm. enough, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and and maybe that's the first time in like in three years that ET will have something to do. <laughs> well, they'll they'll probably bring Flamita in to do that match before they put UD in it. So, 
Yeah. But yeah, uh, I we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I thought that Dead or Alive as a show, other than really the Twin Gate match, I thought it was pretty solid. Like when when your worst match was a Mochi Fuji tag match, like that's not a bad card at all. So I thought it was a good show, like a nice kickoff the first five pay per view. I guess now six pay per views, six pay per views of the year. So yeah. I thought it was good. Mm-mm. I'd say it was a very, it was a good pay per view. I would agree. Um, the only down, the only real down part to me was the the Dream Gate match, but everything else was very good. So thumbs up for that pay per view. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to Corican now. Um, this was on May 9th. The dark we had a dark match opener with Yosuke Santa Maria beating Hiro Watanabe in five minutes with the Naruchi. Um, this was this was fine. It was good. Yeah. I don't really remember. I don't really remember you anything about it. back in Karakuen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the big cat's back, baby. The big cat's back. Like that's that's all I can say about that match. It was fun. It was five minute max zero. It was worth your time for five minutes. Yeah, basically. So. Um, and then the op- the real opener was. Linda Mann punched Tomonaga and Takashi Yoshida in his debut, Alpha Under the Mask, beating Don Fuji, BB Hulk, and KZ. Um, Yoshida surprisingly pinning Fuji in 1224 with the Pineapple Bomber. Um, I thought this was a cool way to re. It was a good way to reintroduce the artist formerly known as Cyber Kong. Um, it, it was a. It, it was a good. It was a good six man. I thought. I didn't mm. like it that much. I thought he felt like a geek. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's he still feels like Cybercon. Just without a mask. Mm-mm. Like, uh, Don Fuji really does not like PT. Like, <laughs> he's making his life miserable, which I love because I hate Punch Tomonaga. Uh, but I, I wonder, like, if they're stalling until they get Yoshida's new gimmick up or if this is what he's going to go as. Because I hope this isn't what he goes as because he just feels like Cybercon without a mask to me. I mean... What is there left to do? Like, I really, like, I don't know what there is to do with that guy. He just continues to exist, basically, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I think, it, I think it probably needs to lead to a babyface turn, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Um, all right, so no one seems to have much to say about this, so let's say <laughs> Matt, Matt, match two, uh, Dragon Kid and Gamma against Asumu and Kanas. Dragon Kid pinning Kanas in 12.09. He countered the Ikari no Wa. Um, it was... This was fine. I don't really remember it being anything that great, but it was okay. I mean, we got some uh, Darkness Dragon versus TK callbacks. That was awesome. We got to see the Judah for the first time in a while. I love... Like, I when, it, when given the opportunity, I will love anything with DK and Kness. So I was glad to see that. I thought it was fun. What do you think, Milo? I was just, first of all, so happy about that kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the kid that came like, out. For, like they, for, they, yeah. Who's your favorite wrestler? Who was the first dancer? It was Jimmy Susumu? Yeah. I think it was Genki. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was Genki. First was Genki, then Jimmy Susumu, then Saito, I think. Yeah. And basically, Gama and Dragon Kid were just trying to get him to say their names. 
Or try to get him to say anybody that's not someone not Jimmy, I guess. Or anybody from over generation, maybe. Like Ichiban, uh, Genki Horiguchi, Nibon. He's like that was that kid was me. Like I related to him on a spiritual level. <laughs> he's like Isasumu-san. Then um, Sanban, and it was like, yep. I don't it, think they went that far. No, he did. He said Sanban, Jimmy Rio, Rio Jimmy Saito. Oh, okay. Yeah, they said a third one too. Oh yeah, right, absolutely. Mm-mm. But yeah, they didn't that go was, to. That they, was they funny. I don't think they went on to Yonban or Yonban. No, they did not. They they definitely didn't. Do, do, do but that was, it was yeah. No, he did not. But that was. I thought that was adorable. Mm-hmm. And I really loved how Kineska like got a picture with him when they came out. Mm-hmm. That was really cute as well. Um. But yeah, I just, it's funny because this match was, I really enjoyed it because it was three guys who are like historically great in the ring together. And then there was Gamma. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Like Gamma was to me was dragging down this match kind of, but what are you going to do? Hey, he's everyone's local third rate indie wrestler. He's there for a reason. I mean, I like Gamma, but like in matches like this, sometimes he does st- he does stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. So what do you- it's a good with the bad, I guess. Um, match three was T Hawk against Ben K, the first King of Gate match of this year. It was in the B block. T Hawk, not surprisingly, gets the win. Eleven forty nine with the night ride. This was pretty good. Um, maybe a little bit below what I expected, but it was. I, I still enjoyed it. Where'd you yeah, I. Um. Three and, a, three, and a, three and a quarter. Okay. Sorry, Mike. Why, what would you? Why? What would you say, Mike? I might have been higher. I hit three and three. Okay. Yeah. Milo, I didn't yeah, I think. Too. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, I just, I think that I was a little bit higher than you guys on this match. I loved the finish, like, loved it so much. Um, and also you got to remember like Ben has been wrestling for less than a, than a year. I think he made his debut like in June or something like of 2016. So we're going to say he's been wrestling for a year, right? He's had very few singles matches. Who's typing very loudly. Oh, that was me. I was well, looking up his debut. It's not me. So it's gotta okay. be Mike. Sorry. And I was typing on my <laughs> keyboard rather than my laptop. Uh, his yeah. debut was July 17th. <laughs> okay, July, yeah, so less than a year. And he's had very few singles matches. So I feel like because like because he's been so impressive in spite of that, I feel like people are going into his matches in this kind of gate with maybe higher ex- higher expectations than they should, maybe. Like, get excited. Don't go do your thing. But just remember that as impressive as he may have been, that's a guy that's only been wrestling for eight months. Uh, no, ten months. Sorry, for ten months. And hasn't had that many singles matches. Um, this being said, I love that match. You guys know that I'm probably uh, the last remaining Seahawk fan this side of the fandom. Um, and have been for a long while. Um, I thought they had pretty good chemistry. And I just, I just had to say I love that finish. Like, with Benke blocking a chop and just headbutting T-Hawk and then smiling in his face and swagger walking. I was like, oh my God. 
And that's the thing with Ben K, I think, and the reason why people are so high on him so early into his career is that he's really good at giving you um, visuals. Totally. Like, he, he, has, he has the swagger. Like, that's what mm-hmm. it is. Like, he, like yeah. He, he knows he's a beefy boy who can fuck you up. So when he headbutts T-Hawk, it's like, yeah, I just did that. What are you going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, and he's he's literally looking at him like he's saying, I just did that. What the fuck are you going to do about it, bitch? Um, bitch is for emphasis. Um, yeah, he's really, really good at giving you these visuals that make you think, fuck yeah, this guy is a star. Like when he had the stare down with Mochizuki. Mm-hmm. And this was another one of those moments for me where it was like, you know, he still has a long ways to go. He still needs a lot of more singles matches uh, under his belt. But this guy gets it. Oh, yeah. like, the, uh, And this was like his first high-profile singles match, and he got Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yes. And, that, and I have to hammer home the point that that finishing stretch was great. Like, the crowd yeah, the was finishing so much stretch was, Yeah, the, yeah. Finishing stretch was awesome. Um, he sold like a champ. Uh, T-Hawk, like I said, I'm probably one of his biggest and last remaining fans. I thought did a really great job at kind of almost playing on insecurity at times that like, oh, oh fuck, this is another beefy boy that's going to take my spot. Yeah. Because they're kind of the same size, like built the same way kind of working the same kind of style. So it would make sense as a story point that T-Hawk feels threatened, even though he has the seniority over Ben K. Um, so yeah, I really, really love that match. Um, I think more than a lot of people, even though, um, you know, it. I like that it didn't highlight Ben K's flaws too much. And even though... He's like, like I said, he's just really, really good at giving you that impression that in like two years' time he's gonna be the biggest star on the planet. I completely and he's agree. really good. I, he's like, yeah. I think that my biggest takeaway from this match is what I said earlier that he's really, really good at giving you visuals that stay that stay with you. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting contrast to T Hawk who really has kind of pioneered like this lazy senior in his second semester of high school who's already gone to college <laughs> and is just hanging out there. It's like almost a direct contrast because they're about the same age. And, yeah. And what I and I think I've said this before, what they think they had in T-Hawk, they already have in Ben K. I said this to Dylan from Voices of Wrestling earlier. I said like almost this, this exact same thing. <laughs> that I swear to God, high five. Um, high five me, you bitch. Oh, high five. High five. Sorry. Um, is that, yeah, they have, I feel like they could have in Ben K what they so desperately wanted to have in T-Hawk in 2015. But the one thing I will give, I want to give people pause with is there was a time when everybody thought T-Hawk was the next big thing. This is true. This is true. So you never really know. I mean, like, yeah. So we gotta, T-Hawk, we gotta be careful. When T Hawk was a young was a young lion, everybody was like, "Wow, this guy's so good," and that is when he was playing the fake Naoki. People were really into it. Um, it really wasn't until he came back in the Millennials that people started to turn on him. Mm-hmm. So we're at this point in his in this point 
Where Ben K is in his career, at that point, T-Hawk was still, like, you know, the this big prospect. So you really no, you never know how things are going to go for a young yeah. guy. So, I mean, yeah. if, if you told uh-huh. me five years, if you told me three years ago or four years ago, whenever T-Hawk was doing the fake Naoki thing, that he would be, like, they'd be struggling to get him over still. I would have been like, are you fucking crazy? Like, how, yeah. how is that possible? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have a really good point here, John. But I want to believe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the one last the, the the one last thing that I wanted to say is that because I was watching DNA earlier this week. And that was a great show, by the way. That was a great show. Yeah, I reviewed it on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Cheap plug. Um, <laughs> and Ben K, although Hiduchi has been wrestling longer, Ben K reminds me of Hiduchi in a way that they both have a few things that are like flawed and lacking in ring, but they make up for it so much with attitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, their presence too. Their presence. <laughs> Me too, their... John. I'm sorry. I'm very tired. Their presence. Yeah, like their absolutely. Presence. Yeah. To the point yeah. where you almost kind of forget that they're lacking um, a few things here and there, but that won't last for very long. I think uh, these guys, these, these are guys that are going to be complete. Um, very very soon yeah so yeah that's uh that's the just the last thing i want to say but john you make a very good point Doesn't... about about ben k like probably go, like maybe going down the same road the same road that t hot went down but we just gotta hope that that doesn't happen yeah all right so moving on to c block um takahiro yamamura shockingly defeating shima in just six minutes with a modified achilles heel hold um yeah, this this match I guess would be the biggest disappointment on the show because I was expecting a really good match here and said it was over in six minutes. But yeah, I, I, very stunning result, obviously. Uh, Yamamura zero zero five. The dream is over. Now it's now Yama, the dream. Now the dream is Yamamura five zero and zero. Like yes, yes, God, yes. So I wrote a and y'all helped out with this huge thing on voicesofwrestling.com, dot com. Another cheap plug that basically gives everyone's profiles going into this tournament. And I thought this was going to be like one of the must watch matches of the block because Yamamura has been pushing, taking people to their limit in Corkin. Like that's been his storyline all year. And him not only defeating Shima, but him destroying Shima. Like I, I, John, you, you know? might be able to pull think of one more but this is like the first time in a long time that shima's been absolutely destroyed in a match maybe toro back... washi did it to him once yes yeah, so, so we're talking about 2004 so no that'd be 2000 it'd be 2003 wow. 2000... no 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 wait no 2002 maybe wow yeah it's been a long it's been a long fucking time basically yeah. <laughs> it was year 2002 or 2003 you know this is what I mean when I say that wrestling can be so fucking cathartic. <laughs> it, because this felt good, man. It felt good in my soul. I mean, wait, Gamma, Gamma did beat him in that one match. I don't know. It wasn't quite as, I guess, as one-sided, but it was shocking. The hair versus hair match, remember? But he when he the balls that match. Well, yeah, but, but still, <laughs> like, he, he got the cheap win, you know, and then they restarted it, and then he won with a top rope tombstone pretty clean. Like when's the last time? What, what other match can you remember where they do that restart and the heel just wins clean the next match? That's true. But yeah, this was just like, like for a six minute match, there was just like, like Yamamura like went in there and as a house of fire did like the flip over the ropes to start and just took it to Shima 
from from moment one and Mm-mm. destroy his knee. Like maybe he was like, oh. Second dad has been spending way too much time doing this triathlon shit, so his knee must be busted up. I'm taking that fucker out. So, it was... It was a moment. Like, when we go back at the end of the year and talk about the moments of 2017, this is up there. Just because, like, not only did he beat it, but Shima sold it like, how the fuck did that happen? I'm so furious at myself. He wrecked (laughs) his Spartan mask. He was pissed. So... Mm -hmm. Just yeah. astounding, like a astonishing mm-hmm. match to happen. Two things I really loved about this is how much offense Yamamura got in in the first place. Because you wouldn't expect Shima to, like, again, this is me and my Shima's Edo conspiracy theory, but you wouldn't expect Shima to give that much uh, to a guy so early into his career. And especially loved the fact that it made Yamamura look like a guy with a plan. Mm-hmm. I loved that it really came off as I came here, I got my strategy, this guy's knee is fucked up, I'm going to target that, and he did that for the entire six minutes. And I love that because I love when you can see the progression in thinking in a character and in a, in a wrestler. And you wouldn't have seen that out of Takahiro Yamamura six months ago. No. I see it now, and like I, I really, really love that. It was just, it was a special match. It was like a special match, and it meant something. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. <laughs> um. Okay. So I, I missed. Sorry, I, I, I had myself muted. I missed that part. What are we up to? Match five now? Yeah, we are. Yes. Okay. So. It was an eight-man tag team match. The Jimmys and Maximum. Um, Ryo Jimmy Saito, Genki Horiguchi, Jimmy Kagatora, and Jimmy Kanda. Uh, Jimmy Kagatora defeating Kotoka in 11 minutes with the, again, with the Kurumakagari. Um, it was Dor Yoshino, Shimizu, and Kotoka. Um, this was another really fun eight-man. This probably was my favorite match. I mean, well, you know, this is the main event. It was close. But this was a really fun eight-man tag um really nothing to complain about here Uh, they're obviously going with a storyline here where the jimmies are picking off katoka every time um and then after the in the post-match saito really got mean when he was like what exactly is maximum about doi yoshi and their little babies (laughs) what exactly did they expect to accomplish saito has been reading my fan fiction again (laughs) with this farce of a unit um Doi, uh, as for the cage match, Doi should be grateful that Jimmy saved him from having his head shaved, since even if he made it to the final two, he would have blown it. I was like, oh my god. And Horiguchi said that while the Jimmys have a soft image, they can be fiercer when they need to be. And he's like, Doi and Yoshino were as popular and capable as ever, but the other three are trash, and they're going to be taught a lesson about the realities of Dragon Gate. So that's basically the storyline. It's like, you know, Doi and Yoshino, yeah, you're fine, but we don't get why you're teaming up with these three quote-unquote trash. So... Mm. That's kind of the angle they're going for. I Somebody gonna, wants to catch these hands. <laughs> I assume we're going to get a Triangle Gate match soon out of this. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what else goes on here. But yeah, this, this is a really fun eight-man tag, though. I liked it a lot. Mm-mm. I love how much people just pop for those speed muscle like spots every single time. Oh, yeah. And, like... you know... What? I just love it, like, doing, like, the, uh, 
like doing like the uh, how they do like the Bakatari sliding kick like out of it. It was like that. It was two thousand nine all over again. Yeah. Mm. I um, and there's just one thing that I feel because I don't know where I'm gonna fit this in, so I'm just gonna say it now. Is that one of the reasons, like, why I haven't picked, like, I'm probably the only person I think on this podcast that hasn't picked Doi to win King of Gay is because of two major reasons. The first is that would be his third challenge for Yamato in this reign. And I wonder if it would cheapen the win that he does it on his third try. Like, that is a lot. No, I didn't, um, I didn't think about that before. That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like they blew the initial moment that they could have had at Final Gates. And the other reason, and also one thing that I've been thinking for a while now, and that I was thinking, you know, was one of the reasons they were stalling on Doi and a new unit until Yoshino came back is that what if the end game for Doi is not King of Gate and Kobe World and the Dream Gate, but it's the end game for Doi Yoshi to win the Summer Adventure Tag League this year? Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Because you guys know I'm super big on symbolism and storytelling and continuity. It's been 10 years since the first one um, that they won and, you know, they created those belts. Um, and uh, they created their ugly little blue belts at the time. Oh, they were so cute! Come on, they were so ugly. <laughs> they're, at least they're not as ugly as the IWGP US title. Oh god, that thing is, that, that... look, look, okay. <laughs> Someone told New Japan to sum up America with a belt, and they were like, "Here we go, big and ugly." <laughs> and so, they didn't yeah. have a gun on. So, it. Yeah. it didn't have it's, a gun. It's so ugly. It's so ugly. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm I've, I'm really kind of big on that being the actual end game for for Doi and Yoshi um, instead of you know Doi winning the Dream Gate. I know that's what everybody wants. I know that it would make sense. Um, I know that it would probably be a feel good moment, but I don't know how feel good it would be if it's on his third attempt rather than his than his first. Because uh, it just gets cheaper and cheaper every time. It's like, okay, is he going to do it now? Oh, guess not. Okay, moving on. Um, whereas you could have the symbolism of Speed Muscle reuniting, taking the Summer Adventures Hadley, taking those goddamn belts off of CK1. Please, thank you, Jesus. If you hear me, if you're out there somewhere. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I, feel like it, <laughs> I feel like it would be a good end game for them. Um and I also feel like it would open up the field for someone else to rise up to the to the Dreamgate level, whether it's T Hawk, whether it's Ata. Um, personally, my pick is Ata, but who knows what could happen? I'm often wrong about those things. Um, but yeah, I I just I didn't know where to put this in this discussion, so I just I just like inserted it in here. Um, I yeah, I just. For me, that's gotta like that's an end game for Doi that makes a lot more sense. And that would protect Yoshino's back. Like that's also, also that's something that popped in my head when you brought that up. It's like, oh, that way you can protect Yoshino more. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I'm starting to wonder. Like I didn't think about the three ti- the three challenges for Doi, and that is a concern about that. Uh, I, what really got me about this match really was how great Katoka has come back and has been a great baby face. Like. <laughs> I love him so much. Sorry. Like, the easy comparison is to how Sachi was with uh, Monster Express, but, like, I'm really hoping that, like, that I mentioned this a little earlier, that at the end of this whole Jimmy's versus Maximum feud, that it's, like, that somehow that Katoka manages to prove himself and that Katoka is not young garbage. And I thought that that would be really something that that really stuck out for me from this match was how Katoka... well he's not very he's not very young anymore <laughs> he's 27 already yeah well he's only 27 really wow. yeah he's been he's still pretty never mind I mean, don't forget young. don't forget that he has to he has to have been born so wait, in wait, or so after did he start when he was like 18 yes mm-hmm. oh, Jesus. A tiny, tiny baby child so Zala did Jesus. i mean that happens at Dragon yes. yeah dory Doi celebrated his 17th anniversary like yesterday, so that means he's been wrestling since he was like 19. So, yeah. Mm. Um, one other thing about this match, now they're all talking about Katoka. Everybody noticed he has the fuzz on his head. Yes, he's finally he's fin- bringing it back. He's finally free from the one year ball stipulation. He can finally start growing back his hair. Yay! So, congratulations to Katoka on the hair. Woo! Um, but yeah, this match is really good. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see where the Jimmy's Maxim view goes from here. I have a question for y'all. Do you think that the Jimmy's are going to break out combat Jimmy's for this feud? Yes. Please. Konda is so hot in combat Jimmy's mode. <laughs> um, so moving on like, now to... I feel like I'm the only person who's like, yeah, Konda is super hot in any situation. But... <laughs> I like him. I d- yeah. don't know about super hot, but I, I, I like him. I want to be bros with Konda. I want to go get a beer and then bury a body with him. Yeah. Um, match six, the A block, Yamato B Eta eighteen nineteen with the Galleria. Um this never got this never got to that extra gear that I thought it was gonna reach. So it was another match that was a little bit disappointing for me. It wasn't bad or anything, but it just never reached that extra gear that I thought they were gonna get to. Yeah. Mike? Yes. I think this is where you come in. Okay. So I figured out my problem with Yamato. And this match is a perfect example for this. Yamato's style is that he's a very, very slow starter. And he really kind of just... It takes a while for him to kick it into second gear. And I don't know if that's necessarily that he likes to grapple a lot, show off his submission background, or something. But I can't stand the fact that Yamato takes forever to get out of first gear. <laughs> like, like, I thought that the, the, it quieted the crowd down a lot. And... It was nice to see him and Ada kind of go Yave versus uh, grappling in the in the beginning, but it really kind of I don't know. Like that's I think a lot of my frustrations about Yamato is just is how slow he is, and it's something that I really noticed at this show was when it kind of snapped together in my head that oh Yamato is just really slow out of the blocks. So yeah, I, I thought this was all right. I think that outside. I, I had it at four, but that's probably me being a little generous, and also me loving the uh, final stretch about Ada like trying to warm his way out of the Galleria every time until finally it getting hit and he taking a pretty brutal one. So yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's my thoughts. Like, his... I've, been, I've had that bottled up about Yamato all week, so... He's, yeah, Eita... I, you know what? I really thought this was going to go to a draw. Yeah, if any match was, it was this one. Hmm. <laughs> mm I really... Like, I really thought it was very, like, very likely that they were going to go to a draw. They didn't, but... I don't know. I liked it. It, it, it wasn't bad by any stretch of imagination. It just was slow. Exactly, that's how I feel too. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a bad match. It just never got into that second gear that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's been the problem with Yamato um, in his current uh, incarnation, right? I feel like we've said this at literally every single big singles match that he's had, which mm. you know ties into what Mike said. Um, but yeah, no, I like the finish. Uh, l- still think Ata is one of the most outstanding wrestlers in Dragon Gate today. Like, just so good. Um, and you know, I'm looking and, at. Uh, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I'm looking right now at my uh, King of Gate spreadsheet, and looking at the rest of the block, that might be the only loss Ata gets. Possibly. Yeah. But it's just Yamato's slow, guys. Yamato's really slow, and it's just not my thing. Yeah. No, I feel you. All right. So the main event, the D block, Masaki Ochizuki defeating Shingo Takagi in 1346 for the crucifix hold. This was was awesome. Eat shit, Shingo! (laughs) This was an awesome match. Um Mm-hmm. I would go. I went like four stars on it. It was a very, very good match. Yeah, um, really nothing to complain I think, about. At I all. feel like I feel like you know it was never going to be as good as um, the Dreamgate match yeah. as the Dreamgate match. And I don't think anyone should have gone into this match expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I really did love about it is that they didn't try to make it as epic as the dream game. Like, they didn't try to recreate something as epic and special because I feel like if they did, it would have just come off as... Words are difficult, as, like, contrived. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I really, really like that. You know, every once in a while, I can actually enjoy Shingo's presence and not want to, like, throw bricks at his face. Um but, you know, that was mostly on Mochi, of course, because Misaki Mochizuki is the best wrestler in the world. He's very good. It, still, it, somehow, somehow at 47 years old, he's still very good. Yeah. Yes. I don't know who it was. Who I feel like there's someone on my timeline, like on Tumblr, who says this every single time Mochizuki has a great match. And I'm pretty sure it's either Case or Alan Forel who says that Mochi is the best wrestler in the world when he wants to be. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm. Yeah. And and I really feel like that for, for some people, you have, like, your opponent that you instantly, like, match, and your two styles work so well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is really the case between 
Mochi and Shingo. Like, these two, it yeah. works. Like, like Mochi's a badass, Shingo pretends he's a badass, and the two get to, like, slug it out and just punch the shit out of each other. And that's kind of what this match was. Like, I loved, like, the cradle finish because everyone was expecting it to be, like, some crazy kick flurry or, like, a bunch of pumping bombers, but no, it was a cradle. And I felt like that, that <laughs> kind of made it a little bit more special, the fact that it's, like, Mochizuki might be 47 years old, but he's never forgotten his fundamentals, and he never, and he always knows that when it comes down to it, he has to get the win, and using the cradle did that. But I love this match. Like, out of all the matches from this week in Dragon Gate, if you only have time, really, for one, pick out this match. Like, this is a match that I'll easily recommend to people trying to get into Dragon Gate. Like, it was that good. So that was Corkin. Um, I'd say thumbs up. Maybe a little disappointing, just because those two two matches that we were really, really looking forward to, Yamato Eita and Shima Yamamura, both didn't really deliver at the level I was expecting. But the eight-man tag ended up being really good, and the main event was still really good. Um, so I have to call it a thumbs up show. Yeah, like you kind of have to throw the Shima uh, Yamamura match out, like when you're like grading it. Like I really didn't want to apply star rating to it just because it was not a match that was there to be like a all time match of the year contender match. Like that was not the purpose of that match. But I I definitely give it a thumbs up. I felt like it was a good start for the tournament. I mean, by my own ratings, like when when your lowest match you have on a show is two and a quarter and your main event was that good, and for, like, a three-hour show, like, nothing there felt like a waste. Sure, there were slow things, but nothing there felt like it was a, uh, brought the show down. And I think it was a good kickoff into King of Gate. Uh, should we talk about what's going on in King of Gate right now? Yeah, let's let's do that. Well, Milo, what do you think about the show overall? Oh, Milo stepped away. Oh. Wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> Milo, what do you think? What do you think about the show overall? Oh, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I liked it, but I feel I hope that we don't fall into this this pattern for this uh, this time of the year where I think that you know we said yeah, Dead or Alive was good, but it was slightly less good than last year. I thought this show was really good, but that it was slightly less good than the same show last year. So I just really hope that we don't get like into this pattern of like, yeah, King of Gate was good, but it was just a little bit better last year. Um, so, because um, Dragon Gate really does not need that right now. Yeah, it, it, I mean, um, this, this show felt different than last year's, too. Yeah. Mm-mm. And I think that's worth yeah. noting, especially because the, the kickoff last year had the uh, Tozawa Ada yes. equipment draw. Like, yes. Like, you can't compare, like, like, these are two completely different tournaments. Like, you have... You had one match that I was saying that I didn't really want to apply a rating to just because, like, that's not the purpose of that match. Like, you can't mm-hmm. rate Shima Yamamura. Like, the match is not there to be rated. So, but, uh... It, I, yeah, I, it's rated F for fucking awesome. <laughs> D for that's destruction. Not what, that's not what people usually rate things F or D for, guys. It's usually bad. But... Yeah. All right, um... The rest of King of Gate so far. 5-13, um, Genki Horiguchi beat El Linda Man with a backslide. T-Hawk, <laughs> T-Hawk beat Maria with a night ride. Big R Shimizu beat Jimmy Kness with the shot putt slam. And Jimmy Kagatora defeated Takashi Yoshida, the artist formerly known as Cyber Kong, with the Kaganai. 
of course, the roll-up. Kong is still apparent. Even though he's no longer Cyber Kong, you can still get rolled up, apparently. <laughs> and then um, Yamanashi, which is going to make tape for some goddamn reason, I guess because Muto is there. Um, L in demand beat Jimmy Konda with the Tiger Suplex hold, and Jimmy Susumu beat Gamma with a schoolboy. Also in had the mi- sixteen minutes. I know. I don't. I don't know if that one's going to be good or not. I guess we'll see. Um, the eight man tag Maximum finally got a win over the Jimmys in their feud so far. Um, it was Yoshino, Doi, Shimizu, and Ben K against Genki, um, Saito, Kness, and Kagatora. Shimizu pinned Genki with the shot putt slam, and in the main event Yamato, Baby Hulk, and Keiji Muto of all people beat Shingo, T Hawk, and Takashi Yoshida. Keiji Muto pins Yoshida in about 17 minutes. So that will make tape, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, um, it's the first time I remember a homecoming show getting a full show on yeah. on that. Uh, Yamanashi is Shingo Takagi's home prefecture, as is Muto's home prefecture. And, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Muto has, like, connections with Geora or something. That's yes. what makes tape. Yeah. yeah, W1 is Geora as well. So let's quickly, um, to quickly go through the taping schedule, um, let's see. Uh, the 20th will be taped. Okay, so yes, the 20th. So I'm going to quickly go down when stuff is going to air, so when you don't expect it. Um, so the Corican is going to air on Gaira um, on May 22nd, not that that really matters. Um, the Yamanashi show is going to air on May 29th, Monday, May 29th. So that should air sometime after that. Um, Osaka, May 20th, is going to air on June 5th. The 526 and f- through all three Sapporo shows are going to air as one big three-hour digest on Monday, June 12th. So that'll be two straight Mondays where you'll get a Dragon Gate show dropping. And then the Kurikan on June 1st will drop on June 16th. It doesn't really matter because you can always watch the Kurikan. But, uh, and then finally, the finals... June 10th and 11th in Akata Star Lane. That drops on June 26th. So unfortunately, we do have to wait quite a while to get the... We'll know the result well before we get to watch it. But that's how it is every year, so... Yeah, and and if you need a write-up of all these, my Voices of Wrestling preview has all the shows listed, so... Okay, but those are the shows making tape, everybody. Um, The Yamanashi show, Osaka, all three Sapporos, the next Kurikan, which will be live, and then the, the last two shows at Akata Star Lane's. Um, the there's still a chance that some of them might make tape partially, right? As like a bumper or whatever. Yeah, uh, Gaora, just because of how their schedule is, they sometimes will have like these interstitials between whatever they're airing that are like five to eight minutes that they will like pull clips from shows that don't usually make tape in full on infinity. Like they, they please love... Dragon Gate versus Kines. Yes, please, please, please. please. But uh, um. But they do that that way. It'll probably be like a six to eight minute or maybe even less of that digest of like what happened during that show. So there's chances that all of these could get make air somehow. But those are the ones that you'll see at least mostly for full. Sapporo, the way that I've heard is that they're blur- they're making it into a three hour special that like each hour takes care of each day's blocks. So, like, the 26th will be in the first hour, the 27th will be on the second hour, and the 28th on the third. Okay, so, that works. Yeah, so hopefully that means not too much will get clipped, but there's still the danger that it will be. But the, the Hakata shows, the semifinals and finals will air in full. They don't clip those. 
And Osaka, too. Yeah. So let's quickly give the Osaka card, since we have the full card now, including a very important return. Um, the opener is Gen- Genki, Jimmy Saito, and Kagatora against Big R, Shimizu, Ben K, and Shun Skywalker. Then we have B Block of Kanagate, KZ against Jimmy Susumu, A Block, Yamato against Don Fuji. Then a six fan tag with a oh, Yamato Don Fuji, by the way. I can't wait to see that resume. Yeah. Yes. Their, their long, long, long running feud. That'll be fun. Um, the six man tag with the return of a very, a very special boy. It's Shingo Takagi, T Hawk, and Takashi Yoshida against Gamma, Yamamura, and Kaito Ishida. Yay! The, two, <laughs> the 2015 Rookie of the Year is back. Yep. So Ishida gets okay. to return finally. Is it? Okay, 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 okay. I just. Okay. <clears throat> okay. It, this is Osaka. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Tani Saki's not on the card. Yeah. I think we can. I think like I think we have to say it out loud right now just to like come to terms with it. He's done. Yeah, probably. He's like he that, is done. He's on that Kanichiro or I plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think even Arakan is going to have more dates in DD this year than he than Tanizaki at this point. Has Arakan had any though? No. No. Okay. Um. So. But neither that, has Tanizaki. That's true. All right, so that was match four. Uh, match five, Dragon Kid and Ada against Yoshino and Katoka. And fun. then we get back to King of Gate with D-Block, a rematch of the World 2011 main event, Masaki Mochizuki against BB Hulk. And then the main event, a match I'm very much looking forward to, Nuriki Doi against Shima. So hopefully Doi can beat Shima, because that's, a, again, another long-running feud there where they've had a lot of famous matches um, my favorite one being probably the, the 2007 Dangerous Gate, I think it was. It was Otaku in Tokyo, where Doi like broke Shiba's friggin' neck yeah. with the muscular bomb. But yeah, that was a great fucking match, though. Mm-hmm. And then they also had they had another really good one at World 2009. So, um, but yeah, the 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 2007 match is my favorite. Yeah, but. Osaka looks like a banger. Like now, the only person on the shelf is UT. I mean, yep. Like, remember how how freaked out we were at the beginning of the year? Like, yeah. everyone was injured, but this has kind of turned into, like, almost a like best-case scenario, knock on wood, that everyone's back and healthy. UT's in rehab, so who knows when he'll be back, but he's progressing. And Osaka sounds great. Like, that show, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, so that'll drop, that'll drop like, probably just after we record our next episode, but mm-hmm. that'll be... um. That'll be cool. Just to watch. It'll drop after Hurricane. We actually see Hurricane because this fucking schedule is the worst. But what are yeah. you going to do? Uh, um, just taking a second, uh, looking at the standings of King of Gate right now through three shows, uh, A Block is tied between Big R and Yamato. They're the only people that have won. Block B has T Hawk, who's the only person who's won his both matches. He's at four points. Susumu's at two. Everyone else is at zero. Tie in C with uh, Kagatora and Yamamura, and then D blocks a three-way tie with Mochi, Kiki Horiguchi, and El Lindemann. And some guys haven't even wrestled one match yet. Like Doi has not wrestled a single match yet. So yeah, uh, Kingdom Gate is like really weird, like that. I yeah. think last, I think last year Gamma had wrestled like all of his matches before anyone else had done like three, three even half of theirs. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I'm just saying, take these early standings with a giant grain of salt, everybody. That's all I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. 8,000 Okay. Uh, um, anyone who's interested, I keep a f- 
an updated spreadsheet that I tweet out after every show that has the standings. So you can follow as it goes along. But as John was saying, the scheduling is real weird. Real weird. It's, basic, it, it's like the TNA one, remember? Yeah. <laughs> but except not quite that, not that crazy, but... Um, but w- what's your give your Twitter handle, Mike? So oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah my my we never show our Twitter handles. That's weird. But uh yeah, I'm at Fuji Heya, spelt like Don Fuji Heya. So find me there. I love tournaments, so I get kind of aggro about it. So expect a lot of Cancate tweets. There's a lot. There's a lot of tournaments happening basically because we just got through the Champion Carnival, um, the King of Gates going on now. Um, Best of Super Junior in New Japan starts next week. Uh, or no, this week. What am I saying? On Wednesday. Um, God, G1's coming up. Um, Summer Adventure like Tag League. Oh, B- B- yeah, Basera has their tournament. Is that how you say Basera? Is it Basera or Basera? I think it's Basara. Basara, right. Basara has their, their um, what's it called thing? Itadaki. Itadaki. It's going on right the now. Heaven, the Heaven Summits. That's going on right now, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Barcelona fan. So you could probably tell that I don't even know how to pronounce their name correctly, but I just remember that that tournament's going on. And um, one of the funniest fucking things I've read in results recently was like, um, so Gambar, you know, Gambale, or whatever the hell it's pronounced, the mm-hmm. Ken Okis DDT offshoot, they're going to run their own climax during the G1 climax. Like, they're going to run their own tournament in the last three days in Tokyo. So, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to any of those shows, because, like, there's a million promotions running shows those three days, where I've looked at the schedule, and it's like, I don't know, I might have to prioritize stardom and a couple other promotions out of that, but it's just funny to me that, like, they're going to run their own climax the same three, the last three nights of the G1. Hey. And they're start, they're starting the show at, like, 11.30 a.m. I guess so you can make sure you may, that you don't miss the G1, but... <laughs> hey, Kenoka is a great man and a Toramon graduate. So I love, I love. You're, you're talking to like one of the biggest Kenoka fans on the planet, buddy. We, I love this Kenoka. is this is a very Kenoka positive podcast. Yeah, this is not. I will not hear negative shit about Kenoka, or I will not hear negative shit about his former partner Kai. Kai. Okay, that was the so, best tag team in my was, my whole was, life. That was the greatest tag team ever, and I don't want to hear anything negative about either man. Thank you. Um, <laughs> No, this is a this is a Joe Lanza, Kanoka and um, Kai Barry burial free zone. So, oh no, Joe I K- will bury Joe within an <laughs> inch of life, and you know that. Um, all right, so we should move on to our retro match, um, which is this, this, So we we haven't done the one of these in a while, everybody. So in case you've forgotten, um, we we try to watch at least one old Dragon System match per episode, and we rotate who picks it. Just because the Dragon System has such a rich history, we like to cover it too. So this time it was my pick, and I picked the World 2002 main event, which was a three-way six-man for the UWA Trios titles. It was Crazy Max, the defending champions, Shima, Don Fuji, and Taru, against M2K, Magnum Tokyo, Darkness Dragon, and Genki Horiguchi, and Toruman Sekigun, which was um, Masaki Mochizuki, Dragon Kid, and Full cyclist gear riding yes. his bike where you yes. Yeah. yes um so first of all the entrances uh we got the we got the elaborate magu 2k dance um which is always great honestly it's about the best thing Magnum tokyo ever brought to the table what did you think of the mag the magu dance here milo 
Oh, you skipped it. Wow. All right. Well, I'm. I'm Yeah, sorry. I thought I wasn't going to have the time to watch the entire thing before we started recording. So I just skipped the entrances. Okay. What do you think of the the Magu dance, Mike? Uh, Susumu has never been a great dancer. Like (laughs) it's 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 notable like who's actually good at it and who's trash. Genki's pretty good. Genki's pretty good. Well, Genki paid all the money for lessons, so he better be good at it. You know, (laughs) but and like Darkness Dragon was also always weirdly good. I I mean, Darkness Dragon has some soul to him. You know, yeah, he he can keep a beat. Uh, like I I like that's one of the things that I know that 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 Toriumon and Drag and Dragon System is much different than where it used to be. But I. Like I always love like the little like the it, it always is a little preposterous but I've always loved the dance numbers so like that was great I always love like Crazy Max's entrance always to me like I get chills what yeah. like I well, just... can we can we talk talk about how the the Sekigun came out to a Japanese version of We Need a Hero yes. like that was the greatest thing so well they I think for a while Dragon Kid used that because. That was the big yeah, song for Absolute Absolutamente, like after yeah. Kness, like, and I and he was wearing his all white gear, which is always super sharp. I've always, I love that gear because he wore it in my favorite match in Dragon Dragon System history. So yeah, yeah it it ended up a little bit more red than white though. Yeah, but yeah, like this is it, it's so interesting. Like I love us doing this series because I love like these old matches because like you have like. You have like Shima, who was twenty three, like it's insane. Like, like, like you have Magu, who yeah, oh my god, Shima rocking that Takamichi Noku hair. Yeah, yeah. He looked like he was twelve, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he looked like a baby. Uh, uh, and then you like Mochi Don Su- Fuji looked exactly <laughs> the same. Yes, twelve oh years have passed, or whatever, and he looks exactly the same. Or fifteen years, I should say. Fifteen years. Fifteen years have passed, and he looks exactly the same. Same wonderful mm-hmm. haircut, same yeah. tights, yeah. exact same yep. lovely man. Like, uh, uh he, Fuji's one of those guys who looked forty when he was twenty-five, and just so when by the time he looked, he was actually forty or whatever. Like he looks exactly the same. Yeah. So. <laughs> what was that? Robin Williams movie where like the kid was like forty years old at age thirteen. Like, I know what you're talking about, but I have no idea what it was called. Yeah, like, Jimmy, never. Jimmy. I never saw it. Like like I never saw almost every American movie. Uh, Milo, this is this was like '90s. This is way before Benjamin Button. Oh but, well, I wasn't born, so guys, I'm not that old. I'm not that. My, old. Michael, you, you, and I, you and I are about the, Mike. You and I are about the same age, aren't we? I turned thirty-one on in July. Okay, so. well, we're, we're, you're slightly younger than me, actually. Okay. Because I just, I just turned 31 in May. Well, I feel you're older. Too, you're, you're too young for me, Mike. Uh, but, I know. But the point is, though, Mike, like, I'm, we're the same age. It's just I, don't, I didn't partake in American pop culture, like, pretty much ever. <laughs> so that's just, just how we are, I guess. Fair enough. But it was just, like, Don Fuji, like, doing his everyone chopped me spot in the middle of that match was just tremendous. Like, I love that man. Like, he is, like, my ideal of wrestling. Like, he's just, like, a... Like, he's always been weird, and it was even, like, the weird part of Crazy Max. Like, he was just getting in the ring, and was like, all right, everyone chop me. That didn't do anything, so that's a chop for you, a chop for you, a chop for you, a chop for you. Now, get more people in. 
He won't it do had, that spot. It had a he weird won't do that spot until he retires. It had a weird ending though that you're not like this was before they started having the the people from the other from the other from your own team come in and do it. Right. And so he just kind of rolled to the outside and like held his chest in pain. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a weird ending. They didn't do the drop kick or anything. And that wouldn't I guess that would start next year in the four way the four way six fan two thousand three, I think was the first time yeah. he like they did the giant drop kick thing at the end and um had had his own teammates chop him. But yeah. So he's been doing that spot for fifteen years, it's true. Um, what the, one of the early spots to me that I really loved was so Dragon Kid and Darkness Dragon start working together. And like Darkness Dragon Kid or first Darkness Dragon holds I, I don't even remember who it was. I, I assume it was like Don Fuji or somebody. They, he holds him for Dragon Kid to do a drop a basement drop kick. And then he tells Dragon Kid to hold him for the basement drop kick because he's a dickhead. Darkness Dragon instead drop kicks Dragon Kid in the face instead of the man he was holding. So that was funny. Um, Kness was so good, guys. Yeah, Kness, Kness was awesome. Like this is pre this was like pre injury slowdown for him, and he was so fucking good. Yeah, this was but, probably the time period where I think Kness might have been the best wrestler in promotion. Yeah, he was so good. Um. Magnum Tokyo did almost nothing, as you would expect. Taru did um, almost nothing. Taru did almost Thank nothing. Thank God. Taru and Magnum both were the masters of doing almost nothing. Um, it was a, this match was really carried by Shima for the Crazy Max team, and by um, Sekigun. by Darkness Dragon on the M2K team. The Sekigun team, all three of them, kind of just kind of worked. All, you know, they kind of all worked about equally. Yeah. Uh, Mochizuki did a little bit less, but he he did do some big kicks and stuff. And then the first big fall, of course, was this was the setup really for the mass versus mass match a few months later, where Dragon Kid does the Ultra Hurricanrana, and you know I I guess it was on Magnum or is it on it was on Magnum, right? Yeah, it was yeah, on yeah. So he does it on Magnum, and then Darkness Dragon just calmly walks over, pulls his mask right off his face. So if you ever wonder what Dragon Kid looked like 15 years ago, everybody. You can you get a very clear image of this match. He's like a little. He looks like a, a small child with long hair, honestly. And then, um, and then, so because he's so shocked and trying to protect his face, that lets Magnum roll Dragon Kid over, and that's the first elimination. So Seki Gun's eliminated. Um, but yeah, after that, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and if you want to see what Dragon Kid looks like unmasked 25 years ago, there is someone who is very familiar to him who would referee. FMW's really dangerous mass matches. Yeah. That might or might not be the person who would become Dragon Kid. Might or might mm-hmm. not. Um, but yeah, so that's the... not confirm or deny this information. That's the first fall. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly, Milo. The, the, the <laughs> second fall after that, um, I guess it progresses, you know, it, at that point it's just M2G against Crazy Max. And... I can't even remember off the top of my head what happens next. So somebody, somebody jump in for me. Uh, the the ending fall was Shima giving the shrine to uh, right, right, to right, Genki. Okay. But yeah. like it was just it was mainly like Shima and Fuji really versus yeah. the the other t- two teams. Like it was just it happened pretty soon after. It wasn't a very long match actually for a, a, a Kobe World main event and yeah. and it re- there was a bunch of everyone going wild. Yeah, Genki tried to go for the beach break. That was stopped. Ugh. 
like the most dangerous move ever the beach break. you know it, it, it was really really weird watching a pre-backslide genki match yeah because we were still almost a year away from genki you know finding the godly backslide and now numero uno so this was really weird just watching genki not constantly go for a backslide it was like just genki with hair in general well that too Mr. was really hair, genki genki with hair, like for for like for someone like me who is a fairly new wrestling fans there is no more disturbing sights than Genki Horiguchi with hair or Junakiyama with hair. Yeah. Like, well, as someone who was not me, I watching remember, wrestling... I remember Junakiyama with hair. Way more yeah, than I remember but, him like, as, for That's me, right. as someone who was not watching wrestling when either of these guys had hair, these are very disturbing sights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, also, like, John probably remembers this, but, like, the fire pros that had Genki with, like, his tank top and, like, the shock of hair, like... And it was the exact thing that if you wanted to make Scotty too hottie on Fire Pro, you'd use the exact same hairstyle. Like, <laughs> it was so different. And he was also referred to in the match opening and then in his introduction as Mr. Hair, Genki Horiguchi. <laughs> Mr. Hair. Um, but yeah, that, this was a really good match. It was very, very fast-paced. It pretty much held up as I remembered it. Um, it was a little bit shorter than I remembered, honestly, but... Yeah. It was still very. It was still very good. It was only like nineteen minutes, bell to bell. Yeah. What did you guys think of it? Oh, I loved it. I I, I loved I love, this yeah, period. Me too. You know, I was worried about watching it, um, mostly due to uh, Taru being in it. Uh, thankfully, he did not do a lot of things. Um, yeah, he was I barely did, in. Like, like I'm trying I to tell you, he was barely in the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not have to suffer his presence uh, a lot. And it, I, I love when matches remind me of, of stuff that I, I like, you know, stuff that, you know, exists and that you're like, your brain is aware of them, but you're not like, con- like with, when someone asks you about stuff that you like, you're not necessarily going to talk about it. And I mean, I don't know, my brain is weird, so maybe it works a little bit differently. Um, but c- kind of like one of the most simple yet clever storytelling things in Dragon Gate. One thing that I really, really, really love, even though it's like so minor and so sim- like so simple, is DK's submission being called the Christo. So obviously the guy who is supposed to be his evil counterpart calls his counter to the move the Judah. Yeah, that's yeah. really like, that was a really always and really that good. Ma- that match reminded me of that tidbit of information and I was just like, that is so good. I love it. Um, it's, yes, <laughs> it's so great. Like that's like talking about like how great Kness was as Darkness Dragon. He had that, mm-hmm. and then he had the the Soul Not Nochezel that he had for Yoshino. Like him as mm-hmm. like the like the brain project, the mentalist of Dragon System was is always such a great thing. And it was really kind of cool watching this right after watching Corkin, where we got the Judah there, and then fifteen yeah. years ago he was doing it. He was doing it also. Like yeah, I, that is, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, like I like really like watching this match. Like Magnum was Magnum. Like we've talked about Magnum on the program <laughs> a lot. Of he times. did nothing. He did. He did nothing, and the things he did weren't that great. <laughs> like oy vey, and Taru never really did anything. Taru, I really have no memory of being in this match at all. Yeah. Like when I was when I was ta- when I was ta- first suggesting it, and you know, um, Milo understandably was like, "I don't want to watch Taru, a match with Taru," and I'm like, "On paper, you're watching a match with Taru in it. 
In practice, you're really not. Because he really, he really, like, he could not have been in the ring more than, like, two minutes out of his match. And that might even be high. I, I kind of want to mm-hmm. go back and exactly, like, Green Lantern fan clock it and write down, like, all the spots he did. Because it could have been more than two minutes and ten spots. Yeah, like, he, he really was not in this match. Yeah. But. It, and this is one of those, like, foundation matches in Dragon System history. Like, this is a match that if you're someone who's who's coming into Dragon Gate and you're getting into it and you want to know, like, oh, God, they have, 50, they have like, 18 years of history. Where should I start? This is a good match to watch. Like, this is one of the matches that you, you, you'll get to understand a lot of Dragon System by watching this match. Yeah, I agree for sure. But, yeah, love this match. All right, so, Milo, it's your chance. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.